Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here. Okay, 8.30 was like, wah! 10. Let's, let's, let's turn it up just a few notches. Good morning. There we go. There we go. Okay, good to have you here. We're, we've already had Scott read the passage, which is awesome. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll dig right into the Word together. Father, thank you for your amazing grace, your love, your mercy, your kindness to us. Lord, we're busy, and we need to find our rest in you this morning. So Lord, would you please come and talk to us through your word? By the Spirit, would you open our eyes to see what we need to see, which is Jesus and the rest that we can have in him. Lord, I pray that you would speak louder than our fears, louder than our doubts, louder than the difficulties and the circumstances of life. Jesus, may you take your throne in our hearts this morning, and may you speak to us. We praise in Jesus' name, amen. So it is March Madness. Yes, as a basketball fan, this is the greatest time of the year. Can I get a witness? Okay, right now, uh, for the next four weeks, if I don't return a text or a phone call or an email, it's probably because I'm watching college basketball somewhere or high school or whatever. So as we were, think, as we were singing, I was thinking through some old stories of marches of the past. And 20 years ago, um, our basketball team was playing Waukee High School at Valley um, High School at their, at their gym. Biggest game we've ever played in was the sub-state final game. About 2,000 people were at the, at the uh, gym that night. And before the game, I remember all of our teammates are like wigging out, you know? Like they're just freaking out in the locker room. Like, we're playing in front of so many people. This is so crazy. And, and all my friends were like, Dang it, can you believe it? I mean, we're here. Can you believe this? And I'm like, stop losing your minds. Act like we've been here before or else we're going to lose like really bad. And then, you know, you get out there in front of all these people. And I got to admit, playing basketball in front of that many people was really nerve-wracking. Like really nerve-wracking. You do everything you can to just calm your heart down, right? Like, teammates of mine are like, I can't believe this is so great. Airballing layups, missing, missing jump shots. I'm like, just calm it down, people. Let's make this happen. But college basketball is just, it's awesome. It's amazing. And if you're a basketball fan, um, this next month is just going to be chaos. Absolute chaos. Well, it's not only March Madness for college basketball fans. It is March Madness for Living Waters Fellowship Church. Okay? We praise God for $827,464 of raised funds that God has brought in in one year. Amen? That's pretty awesome. We are trusting God for $372,000 by the end of the month. No big deal, right? And so, all right, did all of you just have panic attacks in your seat right now? So listen, what are we going to do, right? What are we going to do? Well, Here's a couple things we're going to do. We're not going to freak out. 
We're going to trust God. Because God is going to deliver us. And he's going to do such amazing things that he will show us. All we have to do is rest in him. Okay? We need to rest in him. You think God's in heaven this morning freaking out over the grocery store on 22nd Street? You picture God in heaven being like, oh, I'm, I'm panicking. I totally forgot about living waters and Josh. I totally forgot. No. So what are we doing? Well, we're working our tails off this month. That's what we're doing. And so you're like, okay, so we're sprinting towards a goal because March Madness. We're sprinting towards this purchase goal, right? Yes. We're also resting in God. Yes. Say, say what? How do you do both at the same time? How do you trust God and rest in Him and sprint like crazy towards a goal? Well, it's complicated. Thank God we have Hebrews 4. Amen? To kind of calm our spirits and give us perspective. I don't know if you would agree with this, but life moves at supersonic speeds these days, does it not? Um, With the advent of the internet and technology, and as things continue just to move faster and faster, it feels like speed is the big deal, right? Speed. Our culture is built off of it. Cars... We always want our cars to go a little bit faster and all the lead foot speeders say amen, right? Um, As the great prophet Lightning McQueen said, (laughs) speed. I am speed, right? Remember that? It's a great movie. Sports always need to go faster, right? If you're a baseball fan, spring training's happening right now, you know there's a lot of debate about the pitch count, right? And the speed of the, like there's a timer for pitchers. They have to pitch within a certain time frame to speed up the game because our attention deficit culture can't handle a sport like baseball because it's, quote, too slow, okay? Um, Schedules are about ready to ramp up. Can I get an amen from all the planners and the families, right? You're getting ready. This warm weather today is just, just like wetting your appetite for spring break in two weeks. And then summer vacation plans are well underway or they're already done already. But you can feel your planners starting to bark at you right now because life's about ready to get fast. Um, our attention spans in this country are going lower and lower. Um, so... Like, we're, we're, uh, we're raising the first YouTube generation, first um, uh, kids that are just, like, growing up with constant video all the time, okay? Now, I'm not a huge fan. I think YouTube is awesome and good uh, in doses, right? But if you let kids just kind of watch one show after another show, uh, there are scientific reports that that is not good for their brain nor for their development. Back in the day when we had tube TV, whenever I'd go to grandma and grandpa's house, especially I was the remote control. Anybody else the remote control? Yeah, you were the remote control for your house. And, you, and it was like a super big privilege to watch television. And if they didn't like the channel, Grandpa would say, Josh, get up, be my remote control. And you turn the turnstile, right? Dunk, 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 to like whatever channel it was on and what it needed to be. Things have gotten a little faster. Speed is success. That's what this world tells you. That's what your flesh tells you. The faster you can go, the more successful you'll be. Slow is taboo. It's bad. 
Don't go too slow or else you'll miss the train. We are tempted in our culture to think that speed impresses God. Do you think speed impresses God? I don't think all the time. Our culture has bought into the lie that busyness is next to holiness after all. It's in all of our conversations. How are you? I'm busy. How are you? I'm busy too. When are you going to get unbusy? Someday. Someday I'll get unbusy. So the word rest in Hebrews 4 hits us like, a, like running into a wall. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should fail to reach it. And he says uh, the word rest there again in verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. There is a rest that God offers his people, and, and it is a beautiful message for us today. The word rest is listed seven times in this passage. The Greek word carries the idea of calming the winds, um, which is a really good view. That's just a really good picture. Um, what it means practically is you stop doing what you're doing. What does it mean to rest? What does it mean for us to enter into God's rest? It means you stop doing what you're doing. That's a hard lesson for us, especially a pastor like me who has like leg twitch syndrome. Do you guys ever have that? That's me. I'm reading this text of scripture and like as a kid, I was just like this all the time and my mom was like, stop it. Keep your legs still, Josh. We're in church. Sorry, mom. Can't stop it. It just keeps going, right? I was meant to salsa dance, mom. Okay, maybe not. But you're just like, man, the word carries the idea of just stopping what you're doing. And not just physical rest, this word rest in Hebrews 4 carries the idea of not physical rest only, but mental peace. Peace here and here. Now that is worth its weight in gold, isn't it? How many of you would take mental peace this morning? To not have your brain running at 10,000 miles an hour. How many of you have lost sleep even this week because you don't have rest in your mind? Well, join the crowd. Finding soul rest or rest for our brain is a big deal. Our population is fueling the pharmaceutical drug economy because we have so many millions of people in this country who don't have mental rest. So what does the Bible have to say to us? It has everything to say to us this morning. The Bible is going to tell us in this passage that rest in the soul is possible, but it comes through faith. You can only be at rest in your mind and in your heart as you believe God, believe Jesus, believe his promises. Rest comes through an active faith in Jesus Christ. If you want rest for your soul, believe in the cross of Jesus. You want rest for your soul, believe in the resurrection of Jesus. This morning we're going to look at this passage and we're going to see two life-transforming facts about the soul rest of God, the rest that God offers. Fact number one, 
is that God's rest is good news. God's rest is good news. And you can see this in chapter 3, verse 16, all the way to chapter 4, verse 2. It says, those who heard and yet rebelled, uh, was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom, whom, to whom he swore that they would never enter his rest, but were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter his rest because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should have seemed to fail to reach it. So the first fact is that God's rest is good news. And and just to cover the history lesson really quickly, again, Numbers 13 and 14 is what we covered last week. The nation of Israel was getting ready to go into the the promised land, and they were right there on the verge. You remember they sent out spies? Ten were bad and two were good. And the spies came back and said, "The, the land indeed is very beautiful. It's very awesome. It's got lots of resources, but we can't take it. Really big people over there. Big warriors, fortified cities. We can't do it. And they doubted God, and because of that, they didn't enter into the land. You can see that in verse three, chapter 3, verse 19, it's because of unbelief. And then at the end of verse 2 of chapter 4, it says they were not united by faith. So they doubted God, and because of that, they didn't get to enter into the physical promised land. They, even though they saw the blessings and the resources and the houses and all the stuff, they couldn't rest, they couldn't find rest, they couldn't find faith. So I just want to tell you the good news there is that Jesus is greater than Moses because he offers a greater kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is better than Moses. Moses took Israel and he says, hey, look at all this stuff. Look at all this amazing stuff. Houses, lands, resources, stuff. And everybody's like, nah, I don't think so. Jesus offers a greater kingdom. He's greater than Moses because he's saying, I'm not offering you stuff. I'm not offering you houses and walls and all that stuff. He's like, I'm offering you rest for your soul. That's greater. What's greater? The square footage in your house or peace in your soul? Which is greater? Having all of the the drugs and alcohol you could ever put in your body, eating at the finest restaurants, driving the greatest cars, having Disney Plus, What's greater, that stuff or having a soul that is at rest? I'm going to argue the soul at rest. The greater kingdom that Jesus offers is rest for those who believe in here and in here. You know, you can be really rich and miserable. Did you know that? You can have lots of money, piles of money, and you can be as miserable of a person as there is in the world. Because you don't have rest in your mind and your heart. You know, you can be dirt poor and be miserable. (laughs) You can be dirt poor and just have nothing. And you can be the most miserable person in the earth. It doesn't matter about the physical stuff that Israel was looking at in the Old Testament. It matters about what is going on in your heart and soul. And Jesus came to conquer your heart, mind, and soul. Save you. And when he did that, he said, I'll give you rest for your Soul. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you what, class? I'll give you what? Rest for your soul. 
Jesus is there to give rest for your soul. Isaiah 26, verse 3. This might be a really good verse for you to memorize. Some of you already know it. I know it in King James. As a kid, I grew up, I learned it. All right. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Jesus offers a better kingdom. He offers rest for your soul. He offers you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 Verses 3 through 10 tells you about every inheritance and every spiritual blessing you have in Christ. Jesus came to give you God's provision. That's his kingdom. He came to provide for you. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God will supply every need that you have according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Is Jesus going to take care of you this morning? If you're in his kingdom, he promises that he'll take care of you. Will he take care of a grocery store across the road? You better believe he will. It's a piece of cake. That's a non-essential. What's really essential is your soul and mine this morning. Jesus is here to provide for you. David said it as well. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What's that all about? Rest. Soul rest. David also said it in Psalm 95 that Scott read, Oh, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, for he is our God and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. What's that about? rest. Church, this morning, I just want to tell you the good news that there's a greater kingdom. The greater kingdom is the kingdom of Jesus. And the kingdom of Jesus comes to us as good news. And Jesus offers us rest for our souls. I hope you know Jesus this morning. Not only is that good news, but second fact it's not only that the, good, the rest is good news, but we must enter into that rest. We must. We must enter into the rest. Verse 2 and 3. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message that they heard didn't benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. We must enter into it. You can see it also in verse 1. Let us fear, lest any of you should have failed to reach the rest. Right? We should be scared. <laughs> Humanly speaking, that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's like, there's a rest available for your soul. Jesus can take care of what's going on in your mind and heart. And be afraid. Don't miss the boat. Have you ever missed the boat before? Have you ever missed the train? We were at SeaWorld when I was a little kid. One of the most traumatic kid moments of my life. We were watching the whale show. It was awesome. Big whales jumping up and down and the dolphins were, doop, doop, they're going everywhere. I'm loving life. It's so great. And then I missed the train. The show kept going on. It was over. Everybody started exiting. I kept watching the water because I like dolphins. I think they're cool. All of a sudden, I get up, crowd's gone, I look around, where's my mom? <laughs> I missed the Daggett train. 
So I get up and I do what every normal boy at six years old does. I get up, I walk out of the, the, the staging or whatever, the, all the um, seating, and I just start crying. <laughs> like, what else is a kid supposed to do? You start crying your eyes out until an adult comes and gives you candy. That's what you do. <laughs> what happened to you, little boy? My mom and dad don't love me. <laughs> I'll take the strawberry sucker. Thank you. Mm, great. But I had a very kind lady take me to the information desk, and my mom came, and she eventually found me four hours later. Just kidding. It was like 15 minutes. No big deal. But this is the idea that the author of Hebrews is telling us. He's saying, don't miss it. You must enter into the rest. Don't miss the train. Don't miss Jesus Don't miss him. Walk with him toward rest. Um, Old Testament Israel, they didn't do very good. They were unbelieving. They were doubting. It's not good to doubt God. To doubt God is a bad thing. Can I get a witness? Have you ever hung out with somebody who doubts a lot? Mmm, come on now. They doubt a lot. The glass is not only half empty, but like there ain't no water in the glass. And people will tell you, look, I'm glad that you're trying to do this, that, and the other, but here are all the reasons why it cannot be done. And may I say, there's a difference between details and doubt, okay? Walking by faith doesn't mean you just walk with no plan whatsoever. La-di-da, hope it works. You gotta, you gotta walk forward by faith, but you gotta have details. If you don't have details, you're just being dumb, Okay? But look, there's a a difference between details and doubt. And it's not good to doubt God. It's not good to doubt Jesus. It's good to rest in Him. If you're having doubts and fears about the coronavirus, you're not alone. What do you do with that fear? You take the fear and you take it to the rest of Jesus Christ. And you say, Lord, I believe you're in control, and this is scary, and I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I trust you. I rest in you. And you let Jesus be your protector. Now, it doesn't mean you stop washing your hands. You keep washing your hands, and you keep doing hand sanitizer. All right? Amen. You do that stuff, but you trust Jesus with it. So as we enter into the rest, what kind of rest is it? Well, there's, there's, there's several nuances of this rest. One is the rest of salvation. I just want to cover this really quickly. You first enter into the rest of God when you get saved, when you trust Jesus, when you rest from your works and you trust the work of Christ on the cross for you. That's called salvation. Jesus said that whoever believes in him has eternal life. John three thirty six. John 6, 37, if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life, present tense, right now. Did you know that? If you are saved this morning, heaven is not only your future home, heaven is your present reality. Did you know you have heaven in your heart? You have eternal life in your heart if you believe in Christ. That is the first rest of God. When you believe in Jesus as a sinner for the first time and you surrender your life to Christ, you feel a rest. 
The burden of sin goes off your shoulders, right? Can I get a witness? Anybody that's been saved? And then you feel that for how long? About three weeks. <laughs> then the, the newness of your salvation kind of wears off, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I get baptized. And then you get your, your joy back on, right? You get baptized. Then you're like, wait a minute. Life is still hard after baptism. Yes, it is. But the rest of salvation is a great feeling. It's a great experience. Not one to be underestimated. And also there's a rest of death. Okay? The rest of death is when you die, you will go be at rest. When believers die, they are resting in heaven, in glory. Paul said it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 23, enter into the joy of your master. There is a day, I don't know which day it is for you and I don't know which day it is for me, but every single one of us in this gym will die. We will have a moment when we stop breathing and some of you are petrified in fear over that moment. You're not alone. You're not alone. Resting in Christ allows you to look at death, the most scary thing in the world, and to say, I can find my rest there. Jesus is going to take me home. I don't know what your death's going to be like. I don't know what mine's going to be like. I think about it almost every day, don't you? I think about it almost every day. But I know that when I die, Jesus has got me. He's my only hope. That's rest. I can rest in that. So there's rest in salvation, there's rest in death, and there's also rest in sanctification. And I want to close the, our time together with this. The rest of, of sanctification is, is the result of salvation, and it's found in verse 4 and verse 5. It says, For somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Then in verse, verse 6, it says, therefore, it remains for some to enter the rest. And those, those formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. So he's going to talk about God creating the world in six days. And then in verse 4, he's going to reference Genesis 2-2 to say that God rested on the seventh day. Okay, that's cool. What does it mean? If God rested on the seventh day, he didn't rest to get saved. It's not like God is like, I need conversion. I need to get saved. God is perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. Six days he works, he creates. And then on the seventh day, what does he do? He rests. What's the rest about? The rest is about satisfaction over a job well done. That's cool. God said, I did a good job. I'm going to sit and enjoy what I just did. We feel this in our lives, right? We've been saved. We're not to heaven yet. We're in this daily grind called the Christian life sanctification. Where does the rest come from for us? It comes from verse 4 and 5. Where, where, where we literally say, I've got craziness going on at work. I've got chaos in my family. I've got 
heartbreak in the hospitals with people that I love and care for. I've got all of these uncertainties and these unknowns in life. I find my rest, not in my circumstances, but in my Jesus. Have you ever rested after a job well done? Yeah, you have. I picture this for our church when we've written a $1.2 million check to Fairway and I'm going to be like, breathe. For how long? I don't care how long. Until <laughs> we can just catch our breath for a while. March is not that, by the way. We're, we're, we're steaming forward. But at home, I mean, I'm sure you guys have done work on your car, on your house that you feel good about. I'm a terrible handyman. I do my best. I work hard. I watch YouTube videos. I do, I do okay. I had to turn knobs on my cupboard doors the other day. Turning knobs, hardware knobs. Not a big deal. Easy. For me, hard. <laughs> I can make any easy task hard. I get a pair of pliers. I start turning the knob. You know, I put my, I put my, uh, my, whatever they're called, screwdriver on the other side. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. You guys get it. Okay. Can't wait till Danielle asks me how the sermon went. went great. So I'm turning a knob. I'm a screwdriver on the backside to keep it tight. And I turn my knobs right, and I get everything square, horizontally and vertically square on all the, all the cupboards. Super simple task. I got an abnormal amount of joy and satisfaction over getting that done. <laughs> I was like, last turn, all the cupboards look great. I feel really good. What is that? Rest. I feel good. I felt good all day about that. What does that mean for your Christian life? <laughs> Go turn knobs. You'll get closer to Jesus. <laughs> now, here's what it means. Every step you take towards Jesus, every morning of Bible reading that you do, every moment that you set aside time to pray, every time you serve some other Christian who needs encouragement, every encouraging letter or note that you give, every person that you share with, there is a real rest that happens when you obey Jesus. That's the joy of being a Christian. Some of you are miserable this, this morning because you're not serving anybody. You're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. You're not doing the normal disciplines of life. And I just want to encourage you, you're missing out on a ton of rest. A lot of joy in life is being sacrificed because you're not willing to obey in sanctification. There's a real rest that comes. So as we close our time in prayer, I just want to throw something your way. March madness is upon us. It is March 1st. You have a whole month of crazy ahead of you. Things will pick up speed in your life and in mine. The question is, will you find your rest in Jesus? Let's all stand up and close in a word of prayer as Brandon comes up to close us out. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace and mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness.
God, you are a God who offers rest for the soul. Lord, some people in this gym are not at rest. They're just not. They're not at rest inside their mind and their heart. Or perhaps they are Christians who have just wandered away from the faith and they're feeling the anxiety. They're feeling the fight against the flesh. Lord, I pray that you would give them the grace of confession of sin, openness towards you, Lord. May you give them rest this morning. Lord, other believers are here and they they are just excited about their growth. They're excited about their change. Lord, would you please encourage them to continue to find their rest in Jesus. May that be just a joyful experience this morning. And Lord, there are some here who just are not saved. They're not converted. They're not surrendered to Jesus Christ. They don't know where they're going to spend eternity. Lord, would you please visit them with the saving grace of Jesus. Lord, may they know the love of Christ for them. Lord, this is an important morning, not because we're important. Lord, it's an important morning because you are here with us, speaking to us. So now, Lord, the ball's in our court. We need to respond to you in faith. Lord, help us to believe and not shrink back into doubt. God, give us that grace as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.